What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm your host, Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, we talk about being attached to the leaderboard and thinking about score and that kind of stuff. And it's going to be just me, and we're just going to kind of talk about it. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting there watching the uh, American Express tournament that, that, that just got done. Uh, as I'm recording this, it's Sunday night, uh, right after Andrew Landry just won. And he, so as a viewer of a golf tournament, you are inclined to, you're, you're pummeled by what the uh, commentators are saying, by a leaderboard that's always up in the corner. They always show it before they go to commercial break. They always say the consequence of each shot that every player is hitting every time. And it seems because of that and because they have to make it dramatic, then the the later in the tournament that it gets, the more consequence everything has. And uh, the, when we're pummeled by that, just, you know, constantly every time we watch golf and since it's the it's the pinnacle of of achievement in golf is to be on the PGA tour and we're always watching and we're always striving for it so we think okay this is what happens on the PGA tour therefore i must behave in the same way i must uh um embody what i watch on television and that means uh always paying attention to score and and Shots are more important the later you get in the tournament. And uh, three bogeys that Andrew Landry made on the back nine uh, were a result of being pressed by Abraham Answer and, you know, the pressure of trying to close out a golf tournament and all these things. And Andrew Landry very well might have been thinking that. And in that case, he has, um, you know, mental game... uh, confidence things that he has to work on no no golfer is perfect no golfer is perfectly confident and holds every shot completely independent of the result all the time but as you watch a four-round event and maybe only the most um, intense observers of golf will watch all four days of golf but at the beginning, it's kind of lighthearted. You know, um, the commentators are making jokes. They're they're kind of showing everybody, mostly the stars, some rookies, and they're kind of just showing everybody. And every shot is kind of independent. It doesn't have a whole lot of consequence until maybe the end of the first round or the end of the second round with a cut line. And uh, you get the feeling that shots at the beginning of the first round hold a lot less consequence than shots at the end of the final round with the trophy right behind the green and 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 all the um the winnings that you can get and all the players that are pressing down on you to to force you to do something good and the the way this story is told has I feel like it has done a, a a bad it has it has put a bad impression on us as viewers 
and golfers that want to play well in tournaments. Uh, and it's told us that things at the beginning are all about the physical game. Uh, you know, if you are on average good at your putting, then it it'll help you in the beginning. And your physical game is what shines throughout most of the chunk of the f- first half of the tournament. But then as players get weeded out and it gets further down to the wire, quote unquote, and and it gets more important and you're watching the leaderboard more, it becomes more about the mental game. And all of a sudden it's like physical game goes out the window. It's whoever can grind the most and whoever has the strongest mind uh, that can resist distraction and pressure and nerves and who can be confident through thick and thin. Those are the guys that close it out. And and we've kind of been told this over the years, you know, with Tiger, he is probably the strongest mental game player ever and the best closer. And he really does have that uh, record to show for it. But this, to to separate the physical game from the mental game, uh, where physical game is more important early on and mental game is more important later on, that is disingenuous to the viewer. And I think it's disingenuous to the player. Like, I, I don't think Andrew Landry would ever say uh, his physical game went out the window, his technique and how hard he's worked on his swing and uh, how good he's gotten at a 140-yard shot that he hit on the last hole to to get into birdie range and make the birdie and how hard he's been working on his stroke and uh, and his technique of all, of all of his game to say that doesn't matter that much. It's about his mental game. Can he grind it out? Can he overcome adversity? And it sounds weird coming from a uh, Josh Nichols as a mental coach to say the mental game. Uh, it when commentators say that the mental game is all important at the end is not true. It sounds weird that I would say that that's not true because a player is is holistically. Um, everything that they've prepared, all the parts of their game conglomerated into one ball. And and that is what affects every shot. And yes, the mental game might be tested more later on, but that's only as a result of watching the leaderboard and, and thinking that leaderboard equals uh, reality, you know? So I I just... I buck against that system of of the later on it gets the the more the more pressure there is to close out a tournament the more important shots are and the more important your mental game is. I would flip it around and say mental game is just as important at the beginning of the tournament and physical game at the beginning of the tournament as it is at the end. It's every shot is on its own. Whether or not you give every shot its own um, attention, that it that doesn't matter. Every shot is its own thing, and whether it's the third shot of your first round or your sixty eighth shot of your final round, it th- those hold no less consequence. Like Ricky Fowler, his uh, he. He missed a putt yesterday, I believe, that just hung on the lip. You probably saw this. 
on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, it, the ball was literally looking over the edge of the hole. You could see the shadow. That little bit of tap-in held the exact same consequence as Andrew Landry's shot into the Island Green 17th. Um, it's just we're, we're told and we're taught different and different shots have higher consequence. So I I don't know how much I've been talking about this on the podcast. I honestly can't remember if I've even talked about this book on the podcast. I know I've tweeted about it. Um but some some time ago I I spoke with um the Baylor head coach Mike McGraw uh and and that episode actually got a lot of attention. Um, it was an awesome conversation. It was actually my first guest on the show. And so fitting that it would get so much attention and, um, and, and not because of anything I did. I was just a, a bumbling half interviewer. Uh, but that conversation was awesome. And at the end of it, uh, what you didn't hear as part of the podcast, I edited it out for, I don't know why there's no particular reason, but he said, Josh, what's your address? I want to I want to send you a book. Uh, and he sent me his own book that he wrote. And um, maybe that seems on the surface like, whoa, he's kind of bragging about himself, isn't he? But no, this book is, um, it's one of the best golf books I've ever read. I don't read that much and I'm a slow reader. And even since then, I'm I'm only, I'm on a page page 112. It looks like less than halfway through the book. Um, but it's amazing. I, it's going to be like a manual for me to say, okay, what did he say about this? Because Coach McGraw is this awesome golf mind that has been working under Mike Holder when he was at Oklahoma State. And then uh, before that, you know, coached for who knows how long and was under Mike Holder under at Oklahoma State for a very long time and then took over for him and uh, and did awesome while he was there at Oklahoma State and then worked under Jay Sewell at Alabama and is now the head coach at Baylor, which is also just an amazing school. Um, and and he's has so many good things to say and uh, just, just such a wise guy. Um, but I got to this point in the book where uh, Coach McGraw is talking about paying attention to the leaderboard. And I just want to I just want to read an excerpt of what he said. Uh he when he first got to Baylor, he uh he had in mind to I haven't started the book yet. Uh reading from it yet, so hang on. Uh but when he first got to Baylor, he wanted to um start something that he that he saw as a problem in golfers in his players, his college athletes, before he got to Baylor. He wanted to set in place a new standard. He wanted to take away the importance of the leaderboard because he saw what it was doing to players. So when he first got there, and right before their very first tournament with him as the head coach, he wanted to, um, he, he brought the team together and had a team meeting. And this is what he said. To begin with, do not bring a computer to this event. If you have an assignment to complete, one of the coaches will carry your computer and we can proctor you as you do the work. 
I would rather you finish these assignments before we leave. You will not have a computer to check GolfStat this week. GolfStat is the college golf uh, scoreboard, basically, online that has all the live scoring for college events. You may bring your cell phone to the tournament. However, you will surrender it to me once you have made it to the golf course for the first round of the tournament. I will return it to you following the final round. In case you didn't catch that, you give your cell phone to Coach McGraw at the beginning of the first round, and then he doesn't give it back to you until the end of the final round. That's If it's a three-round event, I think this one might have been. A lot of college tournaments are. That's a long time for a college athlete, a, a college student, a young person, any person to go without their cell phone. By the way, cell phones will not be allowed at team dinners going forward. We are going to engage in an ancient ritual called conversation. You will love it. Please give your parents and girlfriends my cell phone number, and they can call me if there is an emergency, as I will be checking my messages three or four times each day. I've alerted the athletics department administrators so they know as well. This is good right here. We will play 36 holes on Monday without knowing how we stand, not even the coaches. We'll have dinner together in the clubhouse right after we finish, but not a word will be said about how we played that day. We won't talk about golf, golf shots, three putts, or the course. If you have a concern, pull a coach aside and tell him. We won't talk about the speed of the greens, missed fairways, or balls in the hazard, nothing golf. Following dinner, I will check with tournament officials for our tee times on Tuesday, and we will then make a plan for our leave time. When we return to the hotel, refrain from talking with your roommate about the day. Get a shower and go to sleep. We will see you for breakfast early Tuesday morning. Listen to this. We will play the final round, and once we have finished, we will walk to the scoreboard and see how we fared. You will have played an entire tournament without knowing the score. The looks on my players' faces at that meeting were priceless. Is this man crazy? Who hired this guy anyway? Not knowing how we stand for the entire tournament? That's just ridiculous. Ryan Blagg, my assistant, admitted that not knowing the score was an unusual feeling. Kind of nerve-wracking. But he also really enjoyed, quote, coaching the player he was walking with. He was finally free of the shackles normally created by focusing on the score. Nicholas Manson later told me, I guess one of his players, I didn't really care how we stood. But I'm a smart guy, and the fact that we teed off in the last groups on the first tee gave me a pretty good idea that we were playing well. Once Kyle Jones had signed his scorecard, together we made the trek up the hill to the scoreboard. Smiles began to emerge as my players came to the realization that we had played well, really well. We had won the tournament by 16 strokes. So, Coach McGraw paints a... You know, this is an extreme example, and he goes on to say um, they they continued this throughout the entire season as an experiment. He lets their lets his players keep their cell phones, but he encourages them not to look at the scores. So he that first tournament was an extreme experiment, but it kind of tells you something important about the human mind and about a person's attention and and a person uh, when they see information, they can't help but process it and react to it. 
you can't control how your body handles uh, the inputs that it takes. You know, you you can try your hardest to resist reacting to the fact that your team is leading by two shots or you as an individual are down by one or leading by two uh, with going into the last two holes or as Andrew Landry was leading by, you know, he had a large lead in the middle of the final round and presumably saw a leaderboard and it affected him. And you can't control what that information does to you. There's, there's nothing we as people can do. We can kind of uh, become jaded to it by doing it a million times. And, um, and there's players that are fired up by that. I, I've said this many times, the example of Tiger Woods. He's, um, he sees a leaderboard. He wants to know the lead because it, it engages his senses higher and he can focus more on the shot at hand. But to the uh, 99.999% of the rest of us, um, we, we can't process that information in such a way that we are that we react neutrally to it. We will either get amped up with too much adrenaline or it'll cause us to lose confidence and uh, lose focus. And either way, if it, if it takes attention off of the, the shot at hand, then, then it's a detriment. It's bad. As, um, as Coach McGraw says, knowing how they stand relative to, the, to, relative to the field doesn't aid them in their shot making. He says a lot of good stuff here. I'm more concerned with teaching them not to allow score to affect them negatively. If a player asks me how it's how he stands with a hole or two remaining, I will let him know. But I am not sure that's helpful. When knowing the score creates stress that in turn creates even one bogey, then it's not a good thing. So knowing the score is going to involuntarily affect you. So I I just wonder, I've never done this. I've never gone on an entire tournament without knowing how I stand. But I I personally have, I call it an advantage of a terrible memory of, um, I can't remember what I've done during a round. Once I get going and I'm kind of doing my thing and focused on the shot at hand, I, I lose total track of how I'm playing. And I'm not some shining example of uh, an elite player that, we should all strive to be like. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that um, anything that removes, anything that gives a shot more importance or gives a shot less importance, makes shots different in importance, is is detrimental. It's It's not good. So knowing the leaderboard, knowing how you stand after every shot, is um is a is an example of that and you see that week after week on the PGA tour and i wonder if a player you know just as pure as a pure experiment went an entire week without looking at a leaderboard how it would go you know you would see i'm i i play the first two rounds and then i i go through the cut and whoa i'm one of the later tee times 
and I play again, whoa, I'm the final tee time, and I'm teeing off first or or last, I don't really know, which means I'm I had the lowest score, so I must be leading. So at that point, it's going to be that's going to attack your body with stress because all of a sudden you're going to realize I must be doing well or I must be in the lead or something. So even that little input is going to cause you stress. But then you are able to go throughout your round and and you have to train yourself not to keep a mental tally of how you're doing relative to your competitors because you have no clue what the guys in front of you are doing because you're not looking at leaderboards. And, and this whole... Uh, culture that you build for yourself can can help you be a less stressed player because every shot is going to matter the same. And and Coach McGraw talks about this in other places in here too. He'll uh, he'll say he's he's used a lot of alternative methods of qualifying. He'll take his players and and in an envelope will have the criteria for qualifying. It might not be your strict score for 18 holes or 36 holes or whatever. It might be your front nine is the only thing that counts or just hole 16 was the only thing that counts or the back nine counts double. And and this mystery to Coach McGraw's players causes them to give every shot equal importance because you never know the... Whoever hit their shot closest on hole two, that could be the deciding factor. So you got to give hole two just as much importance as the entire round. And and ways of training yourself to uh, to give every shot the same importance. That's I think that's a valuable mental exercise that can help all of us because um, I think we all struggle once we realize. I'm doing well or I'm doing poorly. I think that input makes us stressed. And I think this is a, a good exercise that, that can help all of us. Um, so I'm interested if you're willing to try that experiment. Uh, I feel like the next time I play, I'm just going to try not paying attention to score, but I'm going to give every shot as much attention as I can. Usually when I'm not paying attention to score, that means I'm just, you know, I don't care about score or I... I'm not even going to count it up at the end. But I I will experiment with that with myself to say, I'm not going to look at a leaderboard in my next tournament. I'm just going to play. And um, and I'll have someone else say, you missed the cut, Josh. You need to go home. <laughs> or, uh, whoa, here's your tea time for the, the next round. You're sticking around for the weekend. And I'm going to try that. And I want to know if you're going to try that. Uh, I think it. I think it's a valuable experiment, and you might learn. You might learn something about yourself, if nothing else. So, uh, yeah, join me in that experiment the next time you play. Uh, I think I think you could benefit from it. So, if you benefited from this podcast, if you ever have benefited from this podcast, I'd love it if you subscribed. Maybe give me a review. Give the podcast a review. Um, if you only like the interviews with coaches, maybe just give that part a review. Or if you only like my uh, soliloquies and my monologues, um, that's a big word, soliloquy. If you only like those, maybe give those a review. And, uh, you know, that, that was a five-star episode. I'm going to give your whole podcast a five-star review. 
Uh, I've got some reviews, so that's cool. Uh, thank you to those that have reviewed the podcast. It means a lot to me. And those that tune in week after week, you guys complete me. I am doing this for you. So thank you for hanging around, listening every week. Um, And if you're just catching on to this one, thank you for joining us at the Mental Golf Show. Uh, If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, concerns, cuss words, you can tweet me. I'm Josh Luke Nichols on Twitter, J-O-S-H-L-U-K-E-N-I-C-H-O-L-S on Twitter or Instagram. You could email me, joshlukenichols at gmail.com. Or you can uh, head to my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. Or uh, send me a text or call me. I'm lonely. Call me. I'm not lonely. I have a wife. I'm not lonely. Don't worry about me. But if you want to reach out to me, you can text me or call me, 336-399-1825. I'd love to hear from you. So, uh, yeah, until next time, I've got some more great interviews with college coaches coming up. So, uh, yeah, stick around. And until then, I'll catch you guys later. See ya.